for the message today. Um, Rush is going to share a little bit about his journey in the Christian faith. So, Rush. Good afternoon. Uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Rush. And the answer to your first question is yes. I'm absolutely petrified standing up. <laughs> properly tell this story, I could probably speak for an hour or more, but I only have a couple minutes this morning. So you'll get the highly abbreviated version. My wife enjoys calling me the king of the backstory. So for anyone who might be interested in the unexpurgated version, where I relate all of the minute, incredible, miraculous things God has done for me over the years, you can let me know, and I'll gladly meet with you to talk about it. My email is r-c-a-l-e-y at wavecable.com. So addictions, that's plural. I've been a 427-pound gluttonous food addict, a nicotine addict for 43 years starting at age 10, a fifth-and-a-half to two-fifths-a-day alcoholic, a gambling addict for a number of years, and previously addicted viewer of highly inappropriate websites. I was raised Catholic, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic university. But for reasons I cannot recall, I stopped attending church in the late 1980s and never attended a service of any kind for 25 years. So how'd I get where I am today? There's a famous poem by a man named Francis Thompson entitled The Hound of Heaven. Some of you may know it. It's a very stodgy old poem from 1890. That's difficult to read, but basically it's about God doggedly following a man who has strayed year after year till he finally catches him and saying, I am he whom thou seekest. That didn't describe my journey. The reason being I wasn't even aware of any pursuer or paying enough attention to see the myriad signs and clues that would ultimately bring me home. To realize what God had done for me all those years, finally in 2015, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't think we find Jesus as though he's lost or hiding Rather, I think we come to notice him. He's been there all the time, waiting. So the addictions have long since vanished, yet I continue to struggle every single day in my walk, as I'm sure we all do. And it's all praise to him, and him only, that through his eternal love, unceasing grace, and tender mercies, that I'm still his. Thank you. How many of you knew of that story already? Nobody. You know what? Let's get to know each other better, shall we? Uh, when you came in, maybe you received uh, a directory of the church. If you didn't, they're on the back table back there. Let's get to know one another. 
let's let's hear one another one another's backstory. Uh, let's uh, find out, you know, what God has done in other people's journey. And as Rush said, maybe we'll find out we're not so much like uh, or unlike uh, everybody else. So take advantage of this and and getting to know others. We're going to have other people sharing testimonies in the weeks to come, and I'm excited about that. Well, if you've been to Costco lately, you probably have noticed Christmas decorations are for sale. Okay? And uh, and it's not Halloween yet. Yes, I know. Um, yeah, don't you kind of hate it when people rush holidays uh, upon us? Well, I hope that doesn't apply to me because I'm going to rush a holiday today, okay? The holiday I'm going to rush today is Thanksgiving, okay? Not quite so bad, all right? Because uh, I want to look at our topic today, which is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but I want to combine it with the concept of Thanksgiving and giving thanks. Now, in all my years of ministry... I have preached thousands of sermons and Bible studies. And someone who had a lot more time on their hand than I did researched and found out that there's basically only 50 topics in the Bible. Okay? So every sermon that a pastor preaches or every Bible study that's given is basically on one of these 50 topics. And when you've preached a thousand sermons, it's like, okay, how do I put a new twist on it? How do I vary it? How do I I change it uh, a little bit? And that becomes challenging. Um, we, we talk about, you know, be forgiving, care for the poor and needy, share your faith with others. Yeah, but today I want to do something a little bit different. <clears throat> I don't want to tell you that you should do anything. Okay, so sit back and relax. No, don't go to sleep. Um, just relax. Want to, instead of talking about doing something today, I want to talk about just believing something today. Just believe it. To believe a truth. Uh, because when we believe it, we can act upon it. But we're not going to act upon a truth if we don't believe it in the first place. So, you know, getting to the basic first step of any truth that's taught from God's Word is has to be the admonition, do you believe it or not? We don't believe the truth. All the admonishing in the world isn't going to do a single bit of good. Today I want to look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're in this series on understanding spiritual growth, and the Holy Spirit is a very integral part of understanding spiritual growth. And so I want to look at three ministries today of the Holy Spirit within us. Uh, Don't you love the smoke out there? Sorry. Um, The first one, here we go. The Holy Spirit's guidance. And for that, I want us to go to John chapter 14 and verse 26. John 14, 26. 
Jesus is speaking, and he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, the context of this verse is that Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples. Jesus is going to ascend into heaven. The disciples are going to be left on earth. Now, I don't think we grasp fully what's going on here. Because in order to really understand what Jesus is saying, we have to understand the Jewish rabbinical system. You see, in those days, and it's still true in some of the Jewish sects today out there, a rabbi, rabbi would go around and he would choose individuals to become his students, sit under his teachings. And those students were called disciples. The rabbinical system was Q&A, question and answer. And basically it went like this. The disciples would all sit around the rabbi, and a disciple would ask a question. And he'd say, Rabbi, what is blah, 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 okay? And then the rabbi would answer the question. Basically, it was a system where the disciples of rabbis stopped thinking for themselves, okay? They had the questions, the rabbi had the answers, and you either, well, if you wanted to continue under that rabbi's teaching, you had to agree with that rabbi's answers. The only thing that mattered were the thoughts of the rabbi. So the disciples were dependent upon their rabbi to teach them what to think, how to feel, what to do. And the goal of the rabbi was to reproduce himself in the lives of the disciples. That was the rabbinical system that Jesus encountered. And for a large part, the system that he propagated in his teaching. Later on, it's the system we find that it's the system that the Apostle Paul had grown up under as well. And uh, when Jesus told his, those fishermen, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, what he was really asking them was, will you accept me as your rabbi, your teacher? Will you become my disciple? When Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, his Jewish readers immediately understood what he was talking about. They understood the rabbinical concept behind it. Now, we talk about discipleship. I think, uh, here we are. We are a church that develops disciples. But, you know, I don't think we really comprehend all what that word disciple means. Okay. It means more than sitting in a class, maybe, and, and you know, getting basic Bible doctrines down. Uh, it's really saying 
you give up your rights to what you you want and believe and you listen to me and you do as I do and you say what I say. True discipleship is a total commitment. It's not a Tuesday night, six o'clock to eight, you know, type of thing. It's a lifetime commitment. And it's not something that we can do. It's, we can't through our own energy of the flesh. You know, we need the enabling power of the Holy Spirit in order for this to take place. Now, getting back to our text here. Jesus, the disciples' rabbi, whom they depend upon to tell them what to think, how to feel, how to act. He says, I am now going to leave you. Okay, this is unheard of. This doesn't happen. Okay, a rabbi does not just leave his students, his disciples, and and go away. Because now the disciples, who's going to tell us what to think? Who's going to tell us how to feel? Who's going to tell us? What, what to do? I mean, that would be like telling a little child, you know, hey, your parents are leaving you, now you're on your own for the rest of your life. Yeah. Just impossible. Whenever a major rabbi died, history tells us that that sect died as well. That group, that school, if you would. Unless there was a a student who had grown up under the rabbi who was just as good as the rabbi, and then he would take over that group. Now, I think this is humorous. You may not, but I got a weird sense of humor. Okay, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm leaving you. And I'm sure the disciples looked around at one another and said, uh, okay, there's nobody here qualified to take his place. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> Peter? Oh, not Peter. You know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't want him. They're losing the one that they're counting on everything. And it's going to fall apart if there's no one to take his place. So what are they going to do? How are they going to keep it together? Who could be as good as Jesus to keep his teachings going? And Jesus tells them who. He says, God the Father will send a helper, the Holy Spirit, to teach them. And he's not going to teach them anything different than what Jesus had taught them, because that's what happened in the rabbinical schools. If... A rabbi left, somebody qualified, had to come in, and they would teach them the exact same things. The Holy Spirit is the rabbi's replacement. The Holy Spirit's the only one qualified to be the rabbi's replacement. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, It says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
First of all, notice that the Holy Spirit here is called the Spirit of Truth. When we talk about the Holy Spirit's guidance, we're talking about the Holy Spirit's guiding us into truth. Now, truth is the opposite of lies. I think we get that. Satan is the father of lies. God deals in truth. Lies build strongholds against the truth. The truth set us free. Remember that? We had that in the sermon pretty recently. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It starts off, no eye has seen. In all of humanity, everyone, we cannot perceive with our physical sense of seeing. In fact, the word here in the Greek means to understand or perceive through visual perception. For those of you who are like me, I'm a visual learner. Okay, I'm also a visual teacher. But, you know, my visual senses cannot comprehend what God has for me. And then he says, nor ear heard. We cannot perceive through listening. For those of you who are auditory learners and, and teachers, you can't understand it through just listening to it. And then he says, no mind has imagined. King James says, neither have entered into the heart of man. The heart is the seat of all of our desires, our imaginations. It cannot enter into our hearts. It cannot enter into our minds. It cannot enter into our imaginations the things which God has prepared for them that love him. What are those things? Well, those things are God's plans, God's purpose, God's will. These are things that God has already planned and prepared. So, with our eyes, we cannot see. With our ears, we cannot hear. With our minds, we cannot imagine God's plans, purposes, <clears throat> and will for our life. Now, how does that make you feel? If we left it right there, we might as well go home and don't come back. <clears throat> but look at the next verse. Ephesians 2.10. But it was to us that God revealed these things <clears throat> by his spirit. <coughs> For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. God has revealed his plans. God has revealed his purposes. God has revealed to us his will for our life. And he does that through the Spirit. I like the word reveal here. Uh, it, it, it's a visual word, and it means to take the lid off the pot. Okay? You're cooking in the kitchen and you want to know how things are going. You take the lid off the pot and you can see. It's a purposeful, deliberate work of the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to us. 
How can he do that? Well, it says that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. The word searches means to seek and to utter. Just to seek out, but to seek out for the purpose of uttering, of sharing with, with someone. And God's deep secrets. It doesn't mean things that are impossible to know. But but we cannot know in our own ability. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us these truths. Over in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. <clears throat> oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for us to have God's knowledge and God's wisdom. Therefore, if we quench the Holy Spirit's work within us, we will not know these things. In James chapter 1, verse 5, <clears throat> says, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. Through the indwelling Holy Spirit and his work within our lives, we can have wisdom when we go to God and ask him for it. How does he do that? He does it through the word of God. We don't just ask for wisdom and go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning full of wisdom, you know, you know, thank you, God, it happened on the pillow, you know, I don't know, uh, you know. No, that doesn't happen that way. We ask God for wisdom, and then we go to the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us from the Holy Word. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. For if on some point you think differently that too God will make clear to you. When we're confused, when we don't understand what to do, when we wish we had the rabbi standing next to us to whisper it into our ear, that's when we go to God and use the rabbi's replacement, the Holy Spirit. He will show us what to think what to feel, and what to do. Now, I mentioned I, I'm jumping ahead to Thanksgiving, and so far you haven't heard anything about Thanksgiving. You might be wondering if I lost it here. Um, this is a big reason to give thanks to God. Of course, if we don't avail ourselves of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then we're not going to be very thankful for it, are we? You know, it's just like a person who in a third world country has no electricity, has never seen electricity, how's he going to thank God for electricity? It's not a part of his life. You know, how can we thank God for the, the teaching and the guidance of the Holy Spirit if we're not availing ourselves of the Holy Spirit? You know, once we start going to God for guidance, it quickly moves up the ladder, up the scale of, of things on our, our Thanksgiving list. 
So the first one is his guidance. Let's move quickly to the second one. The Holy Spirit's comfort. In John 16, 7, it says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Look, Jesus, again, he's talking about leaving. And he's saying, you know, when I leave, I am going to send someone to comfort you, to bring comfort to you. Now, that's one of the titles of the Holy Spirit. He is called the Comforter. When do we need a comforter? Well, when we're going through the trials and tribulations of life, we need a comforter. When we are experiencing loss in our life, we need a comforter. In fact, when Paul's talking about the the, the coming of Lord for his saints in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. Listen to how truth and comfort run together. It says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Where, where do we find comfort at the time of loss? It, it, here it says it's through the words concerning the resurrection. And again, the Holy Spirit brings comfort through the Word. The Holy Spirit guides us through God's Word. The Holy Spirit comforts us through God's Word. But but it's not just in the death of a loved one that the Holy Spirit brings comfort to us. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, brings comfort to us in any tribulation. Now, do you know anybody who's hurting? (laughs) Are you hurting this morning? When you're hurting, the greatest need is comfort. What brings us comfort? The promises of God. The promises of God. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings those promises to our mind at a time that we need them. And again, we cannot just pray, Lord, bring me comfort and go to bed at night, inspect to wake up the next morning feeling really comforted. You know, it, it doesn't happen that way. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring us to the truths of God's word that will bring us comfort. 
So the Holy Spirit's ministry of guidance and the Holy Spirit's ministry of, of comfort are related closely. And again, are you thankful for the ministry of comfort of the Holy Spirit? We aren't availing ourselves of this ministry. We're not going to be thankful for it. Quickly, one last one this morning. The last ministry of the Holy Spirit I want us to look at is the Holy Spirit's power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, let's, let's go back to the disciples' conundrum here, their, their situation. Jesus, their rabbi, is leaving them. He's promised now a new rabbi, a ho the Holy Spirit, that's going to teach and to guide them. But what about power? Their rabbi, Jesus, had great power. He did many miracles. And they know the Holy Spirit will, will guide them and teach them and, and bring comfort to them. But what about power? You see, they needed that power in order to continue the ministry that Jesus had on earth uh, going back to the last series we did on understanding the Bible, we remember that that Jesus one proved he was the Messiah through the signs and miracles that he performed. And now that he's gone, the, the disciples need to have that same power because they're going to continue that teaching to, to Israel that, that Jesus was their Messiah. Therefore, the Jews required a sign, and they had to have the power to do it. So Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit would give them the same power that Jesus had so that they could go out and continue that ministry to the nation Israel that Jesus was their Messiah. Now let's skip ahead in time a little bit to the Apostle Paul's ministry over in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God is making his power known in and through us today. But no, notice what this power does. It's the power to have all patience and long-suffering with joy. Uh, again, it, it implies there's some kind of trial, there's some kind of tribulation going on in, in the believer's lives, and the, they're going to need the Holy Spirit's power because they're going to get opposition teaching that Jesus was the Messiah and, and that there was more outward manifestation of power and then there's this more inward manifestation of power. 
And frankly, I would rather have the inward manifestation of power than the outward manifestation of power. Um, in Ephesians uh, 3.6, so excuse me, 3.16, says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. God wants us to have inner power. He wants us to have inner strength. And that goes along with his guidance and his comfort, all done through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When we have this inner power, we have joy and trials and tribulation. And we also have power to do all that God wants us to do. For in Philippians 2.13, it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God gives us the power to do that which pleases him. And again, if we're not availing ourselves of that power, then we're not going to have any reason to thank God for his power in our life. You know, many Christians are thankful in theory, but, but not in experience. And, 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 you know, it, it kind of comes like this. Lord, thank you that I have the Holy Spirit's guidance, comfort, and power, even though I haven't experienced any of them in my life. Yeah, kind of sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But a lot of Christians, they just have the theory in their mind. Yeah, God guides, but I don't open God's word and let him guide. Oh, God comforts, but I don't open God's word and let his, his words speak comfort to me. God gives power, but I'm not going to avail myself of that power through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Instead, I'm just going to quench that Holy Spirit. How much better to pray, Lord, thank you for your guidance this morning in my quiet time with you. Or, you know, thank you for giving me peace and comfort about my situation or my circumstances when you showed me that promise from your word today. Or and thank you for your power that in my weakness you brought glory to yourself. You know, I believe the reason Christians aren't more thankful is we kind of get tired of being thankful in theory only. When these things become a part of our experience, we can't help but be thankful. In my first sermon on, on spiritual growth, I, I began by saying that any concept of spiritual growth that does not begin with the ministry of the Holy Spirit is doomed to fail. Now you see why. Because we can't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. And while we're talking about being thankful, how about being thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that God didn't have to give it? Didn't have to give the Holy Spirit. It is a gift of God's grace. He's there waiting for us to utilize his power in our life. 
you're not taking advantage of this free gift of God, then you're missing out on much of what God has for you in this journey we call the Christian life. There's no spiritual growth apart from the working of the Holy Spirit within us. And if you're experiencing the Holy Spirit's work in your life, then you've got something to praise God for. You've got something to thank God's for. Imagine if you would, an existence as a Christian with no Holy Spirit. Okay. We would never be able to know God's plan. We'd never be able to know God's purpose. We'd never know, you know, experience what God has for us without the Holy Spirit. And God didn't have to do it. He could have left us wandering in this life, powerless, comfortless, ignorant. But instead, out of God's great love for us, he gave us this permanently indwelling Holy Spirit so that we can experience the fullness of what God has for us. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Lord, I don't want to thank you in theory for your Holy Spirit, for his power, for his guidance, for his comfort. Or Father, that is, that's lame. Father, I want to thank you because I'm experiencing it in my life. Father, I thank you that the, the Holy Spirit of God takes the Holy Word of God to produce the Holy Child of God. So, Father, thank you for your spirit. May we take advantage of that Holy Spirit. For that's the reason you have given him to us. And, Father, may you be praised and glorified. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.